Welcome to the Before the Stage podcast. This is a podcast where we go behind the scenes of the classical music industry to see what an artist's life is before the stage. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to have on the show today Gina Luciani. She is a flutist and she does all types of flutes, anything you could possibly want. She has a huge collection and she does lots of recordings. She's been a flute player on six time Oscar nominated films. She was on Minari, which I still haven't seen that movie, but I've heard great things about it. And she was also on Kanye West Sunday Service in the Coachella Music Festival. And she's performed with artists like Ariana Grande, Carrie Underwood, Julia Michaels, Chance the Rapper, Hans Zimmer, (laughs) John Williams. Um, And she also, I'd have to just give a shout out to, has been on two of my favorite Netflix shows, Cobra Kai, and I also watch Lock and Key, and I, they're very bingeable shows if you've never watched them, <laughs> and yeah, so I'm really excited to have her on the show today to kind of talk about her musical journey and developing her career to where it is now, so it's exciting to have you on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. This will be so much fun. And I just wanted to also shout out that we met kind of through Clubhouse because you've been hosting some really phenomenal rooms there with other LA-based musicians um, who've also been on score, like film scores. And every time you have a room that I have a chance to pop into, it's been so educational, so inspiring, and I've just enjoyed it so much. So yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's fun and. Uh, initially how that started that relationship with that group was that last year, maybe like May or June, we were all doing remote recordings and had been doing remote recordings for a long time. And my friend Marta, so it's Marta, Roe, Laura, and I that run that club called The Mike Musicians in Conversation. And what happened was that Marta reached out to the three of us and said, hey, like, let's have a discussion about remote remote recordings, because now this is happening even more than usual. And let's just discuss things like rates. And, you know, what is your process? Like, what what are people what are the composers sending you? What are you sending the composers? Are you charging for prep work or uh, editing at the end and all the post? And so we were discussing that and we just kept having these conversations throughout this past year. And it was just so nice to be able to discuss with other musicians, these things that you kind of just felt like you were on this island by yourself, you know, so you were actually able to have these conversations and then Clubhouse started. And then I had the idea, I was like, well, why don't we open this up to all musicians, hopefully, you know, and something that hopefully they're interested in and, we can go even beyond our circle of four and extend it out to include others. So that's kind of how that all started. And it's been really fun to be able to explore so many different topics. And prior to us uh, getting on this call, we were discussing about the one this past week that we had, which was talking about like finances and taxes and IRAs and HSAs. And it, it sounds so boring, but it's so important as a musician. And you don't ever learn those things in school. And anyway, that's, that's what we do on the mic. 
Yeah, it was really informative. I should have taken more notes. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) And I had just finished my taxes and I was like, wait, I could have deducted some more things. Oh no. Well, now you know for next year. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do. Um, But it was really incredible conversation um, that you guys have. And I think there was a few, the first couple of weeks when it was happening, it was so interesting just like, because I I haven't been on for a few weeks. And then last week I was like, I'm going to go back. (laughs) I could spend my life on Clubhouse. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I know it's very addicting. Next week we're actually going to be discussing, we're having basically kind of like a business coach is going to be coming in and she's going to be talking to us about like how to set your rate, how to talk to somebody about setting your rate, how to talk about contracts and all those things that are like, really awkward for musicians to talk about and so that's going to be really fun and um some of the other topics we're going to be doing is like getting paid what you're worth and we have some really great guests for that and there's just a lot of really cool things we have planned so hopefully you'll be able to join us in the future (laughs) so if you're on clubhouse you definitely need to check out this room (laughs) um it's musicians and conversation right Yeah, it's the mic, but it yeah, it stands for musicians in conversation. Absolutely, we'd love to have you. (laughs) Um, so I guess I kind of do you want to talk a little bit about your musical journey of getting into recording and where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's the interesting thing. I always talk about when I started a flute because it actually corresponds to what I'm doing now. So when I was four years old, my favorite movie was The Little Mermaid. And there's a part in it that the prince plays an instrument. And so I asked my mom what it was. And she was like, oh, it's a flute. It actually was a recorder. But I told my mom, I was like, I want to play that instrument. And so she put me in lessons. But can you imagine had I played recorder, it would have just been a completely, completely different uh, career. So it's always funny to think of that. Um, but then when I was about, I don't know, in ninth grade, like 13, 14, something like that, I was in my school orchestra and we were playing the music for Pirates of the Caribbean and Phantom of the Opera. And I loved it. It was so much fun. And then I like a light bulb moment. I was like, oh, there are musicians that are actually playing for scores. I don't, I don't know how that escaped me. And I never thought about that. And I only thought of like those traditional jobs of like, you're a soloist, or you're in an orchestra, or you're in a chamber group, you're a teacher, like, I never thought that there were other jobs beyond that. So when that happened, I was like, Oh, wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I knew no one in that industry whatsoever. At the time, I grew up in Utah, and I I lived there until I graduated high school, and so I had no idea what to do. So I just started doing a ton of research and figured out there's basically like three cities in the U.S. that do a lot of recording work, and L.A. being one of those. So then I was looking at L.A., and I was looking at teachers that taught at different schools in L.A., and I found the teacher I ended up studying with, Jim Walker, And he was teaching at both Colburn Conservatory as well as USC. So I applied to both of those schools. I was hoping to study with him because he had done like, I mean, my goodness, his career, he did like over seven, 800 films, like everything that you can think of, like his credit list is insane. And so I thought, oh, well, it would be a good idea to maybe study with somebody who actually does that for a living. 
so um got into Colburn that was kind of like my reach school I never thought I was going to get into that school at all it was like my dream but I was like oh that'll never happen but I'll just apply anyway um I had never really done any like really big competitions I'd done a lot of state competitions but I'd never done like a national competition so I had no idea like where I kind of I guess stood in comparison to the rest of the country so I just was like I don't think there's any way I'm gonna get into Colburn but something happened. I got into Colburn somehow and I was really excited about it. And so, yeah, I went to Colburn and then I ended up going to USC for my master's. So I ended up studying with that same teacher, Jim Walker for six years. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I did my first recording session, um, my sophomore year or sorry, not my sophomore year, my first year, my master's when I was at USC, I did like a student film, and I played on like basically every student film. I told all the composers, I was like, hire me, hire me. Like, I don't care if you pay me. I just want to have that experience. Um, and it, I'm so glad that I did that because I think it would have been so scary to go into a, like a real recording set. Well, I guess they're real, but you know what I'm saying? Like a, a professional recording session and, and like a big one, like union session for the first time and having no idea like terminology and protocols and like, how does this operate and how I would have just been so nerve wracking. So I'm thankful I had that experience. And um, I mean, a lot of things happened between then and now, which we can get into later, but now I'm just thankful that the reason I moved to LA and decided to become a professional musician, I'm actually being able to record and um, play for soundtracks. And it's, you know, what my dream was. So I feel very fortunate that that actually became a reality for me. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Just kind of (laughs) how those things like you reached for, and then they just happened. (laughs) And and also the part where you're throwing, not throwing yourself out there, but like putting yourself out there get opportunities to be like, no, this is what I want to do is be on film. And so, um, hi everyone. Can you just have me play on your scores? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like literally I told them all, I was like, I want to play. So let me know. I don't care. Like a lot of times I got paid in like pizza. (laughs) I kid you not. Or maybe not even that. Maybe they're like $10 and I was able to pay for my parking. And, but I just, I wanted that experience and I was in school and thankfully at the time I wasn't having to worry about like bills or anything. And I just thought of it as this is a learning experience. I'm not looking at it. Like I actually have to make a living right now. And so I was like, I need to get as much experience as possible right now. And, um, so that's kind of what I did when I was in grad school. That's such a, I think a brave thing to do, because I think a lot of times people are like, oh, I want to do this one thing with my career, but I've never done it before. How do I get started doing that? (laughs) And I think it just starts by putting yourself out there and being like, no, this is what I'm reaching for. And I'll take whatever I get. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing I, it's, it's kind of funny that you say that because I was, thinking about this the other day that probably one of my biggest strengths is not overthinking things. Now I do overthink certain things, but in terms of like, I get an idea in my head, I'm like, I'm going to do it right now. And I don't really think of it further than that. I just, am like, how do I do this? Let's figure this out. And I don't think 
oh, well, I'm not really sure what to do. I hear that all the time from people. They'll have an idea or there's something they want to do with their career. I mean, it's a great idea. And I say, okay, cool. Like, are you going to do it? And they're like, I just don't know how to get started or uh, it it might not work out. And I'm like, well, you're not going to know until you actually try it. And sure, you might fall like flat on your face. I've done that plenty of times, but you're never going to know until you try. And so I definitely like will have an idea. I'll like wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like, okay, let's get this done or whatever. Or I I mean, like one of the times you were talking about clubhouse earlier, uh, I, once we got our club, I was like, you know what, we need a website. And that night I went and I got our domain name and I made our website and I just, I just do that. <laughs> I just like go for it all the time. It's such an awesome thing to have like innately built in. <laughs> I'm a definite thinker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good and bad thing because sometimes I have like so many things that I want to do that I get myself stressed out because I'm like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. And then I realize it's all things that I'm imposing on myself and it's not an actual deadline from something else, like an actual work thing that I have to uh, deliver to somebody else. It's my own thing. And so um, it's just, it's really funny that, you know, that I do that. So I definitely, there's another side of it of like, now you just feel overwhelmed, but, um, at least I'm trying to do the things, you know, (laughs) it's incredible. I wanted to start like something like this podcast before I started it. And at first I was like, I have all these ideas. And then I was like, wait, how do I put this in action? And then I had an idea that I was like, I'll go for that. That that fell through. And then I was like, okay, a podcast with this idea of like having these conversations and sharing it with that, that would work, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like it might not be your original idea, but it is some semblance of that idea. You know, you have to take it and then see what ends up actually happening. I would like to ask you about starting remote recording and how you started to where you are now. I know you have a awesome YouTube channel with lots of resources. You kind of do everything, I have to say. (laughs) It's amazing what you put out. Well, thank you. I mean, here's the thing is that all the stuff that I'm doing now pretty much did not exist five or six years ago. And the only reason anything exists is because I took that first step towards any of the the different projects that I work on. So um, that's just something to remember because I've done a lot of lectures this past semester for a lot of different schools and um, a lot of different conservatories and universities. And a lot of times I have found people seem to be a little overwhelmed when they're like, oh my gosh, so she has a website and she has this YouTube channel and she has Instagram and she does recording and she does remote, like, you know, it's a lot. And um, you have to start somewhere. You don't start all those things at the same time. And everybody's career is going to be different and they're going to have different skills and things that they're interested in. And so they're not going to be identical, but you actually do have to start somewhere. Um, and it does seem overwhelming, but you just have to kind of break it into small steps. And I never went about everything like thinking like, oh, I'm going to like create this brand and I'm going to have all these different facets. Like I never thought that I just was like, 
I'm going to start on Instagram. And I also am remote recording right now. And then little by little things started picking up and I started doing more and more things and diversifying a little bit more. But in terms of remote recording, I started recording when I was a freshman in college. Um, My teacher, Jim, had Pro Tools installed on the studio computer. And there were several times I had to record for like different competitions or auditions or whatever. So I was using Pro Tools, taught myself. Um, it was very rough. <laughs> and, like, I had no idea what I was doing, but it was good because I I learned, I, I taught myself. And then maybe like half a year or a year after I graduated from my master's degree program at USC, a composer that I had worked with a lot said, hey, can you do a remote recording? And I was like, "Eh, well, I don't have the gear, but I can get the gear. And he didn't, but luckily he didn't need it for, I think it was like a week or something like that. It was a a much longer turnaround time than normally. Um, A lot of times, I mean, like literally I had a gig two weeks ago that I got a call at like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. I don't remember in the morning. And they said, I need to do a remote recording at noon and it needs to be turned in by one. So like things can happen, like there's crazy turnaround times like that. And I got another one um, yesterday morning. That one was a little bit more time, but still like kind of semi-stressful. I got a call in the morning and they said, we're going to give you everything at 6 tonight, 6 p.m. And we need everything by 6 p.m. tomorrow. And that also included creating videos, like behind the scenes videos and stuff like that. So you know, it can be a little bit stressful on those turnaround times. But luckily for this particular one, the beginning one, um, it was like a week. So that was a very long turnaround time. So thank God for Amazon. I got on Amazon and I ordered what I needed. Um, I just, I already had Pro Tools. I had bought it as a student, which is a lot cheaper. So for those of you who are listening that are students, look at the student pricing for like all software from Pro Tools to like, uh, like anything, like it's so much cheaper. All software is so much cheaper as a student. So definitely look at that. So I own Pro Tools, but I had to buy an audio interface. And then um, I, my then boyfriend, now fiance, uh, had a microphone and it was like a $300 microphone or something like that. And he was just like, here, why don't you try this out? And so I told the composer, I was like, look, this is going to be a very basic setup. I'll send it to you. Let me know if it sounds okay. Otherwise, I'll figure something else out. And I was planning if that didn't work out to go to one of my friend's studios or something like that to have them record me. And I was just going to basically pay them my fee to record me <laughs> so that I could get it done. So anyway, I ended up doing it. And he's like, oh, it sounds great. I was like, okay. And that's basically how I started remote recording. Luckily, I already knew Pro, Pro Tools. Then I just, I kept doing it more and more, got more comfortable with it. I, you know, little by little upgraded my gear and my setup. So now like I have a much better interface, much better microphone. And then I also have like acoustic panels, which are behind me there. And then I also have some bifolds. So it just really helps with like the room and the sound that you're getting. Um, So it's just very nice and clean. So that's basically how I got started. But now it's like, I mean, thank God for having that this last year, because 
all my in-person recording work for the most part got all canceled. Like I only did in person. I did, I think three or four gigs this whole past year, which is like, that's, it has never happened to me in my life. So I'm just thankful I had this remote recording at that point. But um, I, I do think it, it's going to become more of a thing. Um, even once things start opening back up and things, people are kind of getting used to it and it is convenient and you don't have to pay for the recording studio and the engineers and, and just so many things. And plus, like if you have a tight deadline, you can have that person recording. You don't have to record them yourself. And then they are able to send it to you and you just plop it right into your session and it's super easy. So I don't think it'll ever replace, uh, you know, like a full orchestra recording together definitely will not replace that. But I think remote recording is definitely here to stay. I think it's definitely something that is, well, especially right now, (laughs) it's more of a trend. And you've also helped me pick out some gear because I'm starting on the journey of learning how to do all of it. (laughs) It's exciting, but... Unlike you knowing a software, I know nothing about a software. There's a big learning curve. I'm not going to lie. But once you get it figured out here, here's the thing I will tell you. I would never say I'm a Pro Tools expert, but I know exactly how to do what I need to do in Pro Tools. And, And same with microphones. Like, I wouldn't know how to mic another instrument. I know how to mic myself well and I, to get the sound that I want, but I wouldn't be able to mic another instrument. So you kind of figure out how to do it for you and what works best for you, but you're not necessarily an overall expert on the thing, unless you want to be, of course. <laughs> Unrelated to the podcast, but like the person that I've been having edit, um, I'll probably edit this out, but <laughs> he does like everything. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know how you do that. Because <laughs> he he'll go set up it's an orchestra, and wow. he's like, "Props to him!" So yeah, <laughs> he's all that like big audio engineering. So shout out to you, Jonathan. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I guess going back to learning to record yourself and setting up your space. What is the most important thing when you're recording yourself? Um, honestly, the biggest thing I would say is the room you don't want anything like echoing in the room at all. It sounds so obvious, but it's kind of crazy that a lot of people don't think about this is like, turn off your AC or your heater, make sure that there's not like some hum coming from something like an electronic of some sort. Check your levels before you get started. So to make sure that like you're not peaking and so and so it's not clipping, it's not too loud. Uh, for the microphone. Um, So you set your gain correctly, make sure it's not too quiet. I've had composers tell me that they hired people and it was like, they could barely even hear the instrument because they didn't know how to record it correctly. Make sure that if you are playing with a click track that there's no click bleed, you know? And so the best thing to do when you first start out is play it back, listen to it, Turn the click off if you're playing with click and make sure that your audio sounds good before you go through an entire session and then realize that there was some problem that you could have easily fixed right at the beginning. Those are honestly the things that I would think about the like the very beginning. That's good to know. (laughs) I have done recordings 
And then I listened back and I was like, oh, my mic was a little too good because it is like a little one that you attach to your camera. And I I could hear my family in the basement watching TV. I know. I like, it's crazy no. how much they pick up. It's really crazy. So that's why it's like so important to have like everything quiet and everything um, to give you an example. So that uh, session that I had to deliver today by six, I got everything last night. And I know I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are just waiting to record till today. But here's the thing is like, I live in LA and everybody in LA knows that unless you're out in the middle, uh, in the mountains or something like that, like you're going to have noise at times from construction or I don't know, helicopters flying or sirens or whatever it is. And there is literally construction happening across from me today. And last night I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get it done tonight. It's quiet. I don't have to worry about it. And then of course today there's construction. So you have to be aware of those things, you know, and there's certain things you can take out, but there's other things you can't, you know, you can't do anything about. So it's, it's really important to be thinking of your surroundings when you're recording. I will keep that in mind. No when my family is watching TV. I guess one thing I'd like to ask you about is building your business because you do a lot of things. And so I'd like to ask you about building up your business and kind of tips for those starting out and maybe like any anything you got. Yeah. So uh, one thing I do want to mention is that I always kind of like design. I think that probably had I not gone into music, I would have probably done some kind of design. So when I was in high school, I did take a website design class for fun. Um, and then when I was in college. Yeah, your website. It's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I love it's. It's so much fun. I I just love I love working on it. At times it's frustrating, but I do love doing it. Um, so what happened is when I was in my undergrad, I was looking at some of the other students, and it, it was interesting at Colburn at this time. Now they have like an age cap, I believe, um, but at that time they didn't have that. And so, you know, I was eighteen, but there were certain students that were like in their late twenties or early thirties, and. I was looking at some of them because some of their careers were like insane. Like they were already touring and all these things and were very successful. And so I was looking at a lot of them and I was like, okay, so what do they have that I can work on? And one of the things was, I was like, oh, they all have websites. I should make myself a website. Oh, they have business cards. I should get myself business cards. So I started doing that. And um, then Okay, so I, I made my website and I did, I mean, it's gone through so many phases. You know, that was back in 2000, I don't know, I would say 2009, 2010 is when I first made my first website for myself. And so then I ended up um, after grad school, I was doing a lot of teaching um, in, in California. I don't, well, LA anyway, you don't typically, if you're teaching private students, they, you go to them, they don't come to you most of the time, which is interesting, because that's not how it was when I was growing up. And then also, um, there's a lot of, uh, you do a lot of like coachings for like in the school. So like, I would go and do sectionals for the flutes. That also didn't exist when I was like, in Utah. So I don't know if it's just an LA thing or what, but um, so I was doing a lot of teaching. And 
here's the thing. I'll be completely honest. I love teaching, but a lot of what I was doing is more like babysitting because I was like, okay, Tommy, stop pulling Sarah's hair. Like, you know, stupid stuff like that. I wasn't even teaching them how to play an instrument. And so, um, but it, you know, I was making money from it, but what ended up happening is that as a freelancer, a lot of the work that you're getting is last minute, especially when you're starting out because you're replacing somebody because somebody got sick. Somebody can't come in for whatever reason. Uh, there's been multiple times I've been woken up in the morning and like, they're like, can you be across town in an hour for this gig? And I'm like, I will do my best to get there, you know? And uh, so there were multiple times I had to turn gigs down because I had teaching and I couldn't find a sub because it was such a last minute thing. And it was really like soul crushing for me because I was like, I am fine. You know, I moved to LA. I'm finally getting the, you know, calls that I wanted. They weren't necessarily great gigs, but they were gigs, you know, and you have to start somewhere. And then I was essentially babysitting and it was soul crushing to me. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) I was like, I can't. Like, this isn't, this isn't working. This isn't what I want to be doing. I don't mind teaching, but this is not my idea of teaching really. Um, Man, props to people who are teaching like the younger kids and you are dealing with so many of those things. Like, it's just so difficult. And I just don't have that tolerance, I guess. I don't, I don't know what it is. And uh, wow, I like (laughs) props to those people. I'm just like, wow, I don't know how you do what you do. Um, and obviously we need those people, but I'm not that person. So, um, I was then like, okay, well, what should I do? I finished off the school year and then just kind of organically, I had a lot of people ask me like, who did your website? I really like your website. Who did your website? I was like, well, I did my website. And then they started asking me about it. And I was like, oh, well, I could do websites on the side and that's completely, you know, I can do it whenever I could do it at two o'clock in the morning, (laughs) whatever I needed to do. And so I started doing a lot of website design for other people to make ends meet rather than teaching. And so that was really good because it gave me the freedom to be able to do other gigs. Another thing that's hard for me is I hate waiting around. Like I told you earlier, like I hate, like if I have an idea, like I have to do it right away. Like I like to be busy and with freelance, um, you can't control like when calls are coming in at all. And especially at the beginning, it was like really, really slow. And also I wasn't performing as much as before because when I was in school, I was doing tons and tons of performances and I had never really thought about like, Oh, well, if you're only recording, you're not going to be doing a lot of performing now I'm doing well, you know, pre COVID I was doing a good amount of performing, but I missed that aspect when I first started freelancing. And so then I decided, you know what, I'm going to go on to Instagram because I'm just going to start doing pictures and videos that gives me something to work towards, um, in my practice sessions. And I'm just going to do it for fun and something that I can actually control. So I decided to start on that. And then I started you know, it started growing quite a bit. And then I decided, you know what, why don't I try Facebook and YouTube? And that's when I started creating YouTube videos. And that has morphed a lot. Like I first was doing like tutorials. And then I started partnering with a couple different companies to make videos for them that are all educational, education based, I'd say. 
and started doing a bunch of arrangements of my own. And it just kind of all spiraled from there. And so then now my arrangements are being sold on Music Notes website. And I have over like 50 or 60 now on there. And they asked me to be one of their signature artists. And yeah, doing a lot of remote recording and then also in-person recording and performing and it just it just it's all about just growing your network and meeting people I mean that's how I got the Kanye gig is kind of like two different worlds Um, I got recommended by two different places to the music director for that and so that's how I got that gig and you know it just it just all kind of progressed from there but I think the biggest thing is just starting with something you can't do everything at once I think that's the biggest thing a lot of people try to do everything and then it's overwhelming and it's exhausting and they can't keep up with it and then they quit all of it so you kind of have to start with one thing and then when you feel like oh I can handle this then try doing another thing and you know so on and so forth 100% agree with the (laughs) stick with one thing and then grow from there that's something I have been learning (laughs) this last year a very pivotal time but then I was like I realized like I was like I have all these other interests outside of just playing my violin and and that's perfectly okay to do like those other things like you did website design for a while and for me it was like went down a rabbit hole about marketing (laughs) but that stuff is so important because now because I did website design I can design my own website and keep it up to date And I'm also able to create a lot of different graphics, like even just, I mean, even circling back to Clubhouse, like I create graphics for our club now and I created our logo for that. And, you know, and so I'm still able to do that. And and so I think having those other things and like in your case, marketing, like that's so important. And as a musician, you can't just be good at your instrument. You also have to be wearing all these other caps. And so, um, and, and that's an asset. It shouldn't be looked at as like, well, you're not practicing. So you're clearly not a very, um, you're not a dedicated musician, you know, that's not the case at all. You know, I think the more of those things that you have, the better and it makes you more well-rounded and, um, it just adds to what it is that you do as a musician. Yeah, it really does. And your website, as I said before, is beautiful. (laughs) That is like incredible. (laughs) Well, you should have seen, I wish I I had a picture of it. My first one was the ugliest thing ever. So it's definitely progressed a lot since then. Um, I've put in a lot of hours. I actually just did kind of like a facelift to it. There's a couple pages I still want to to tweak a little bit, but, um, you know, you just, you have to keep updating it. And there's nothing worse than seeing a website from somebody that they clearly have not touched in three years because all the information is completely outdated. And like, they're like, Oh, I have this upcoming event in 2017. And you're like, we're in 2021. (laughs) So I think it's really, I mean, I mean, the way that I look at a website is this, it is your online portfolio. If somebody says, Gina, what do you do? I want to be able to send them to my website and they can find out everything they need to know about me. There are pictures, there are recordings, there are live videos, there is my bio, 
um, news and things that I'm currently working on, kind of like a highlight reel, way to get in touch with me, um, links to all my social accounts. And, you know, of course, talking about my remote recording setup and my different flutes, uh, my world flutes and everything like that. And so again, it's, it's my online portfolio. It's a place that if somebody doesn't know who I am, they can go to my website and they can literally figure out exactly what it is that I do. And so that's why I think it's important for people to really prioritize their website. I'm reworking mine right now. (laughs) If you have any tips, I will take them. (laughs) It's kind of a, it's, I've been surprised how many people go to it and then ask me a question about something that's on it or when they've read something on there. And I was like, oh, you read that. Oh, okay. So people do read what's on here. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It's so important. And then on top of that, you then also, if you do it correctly and you, you, you know, tag everything and, you know, deal with SEO, then you can actually be found on Google as well. And so that's also a really amazing thing to have in addition to your, well, for your website to be used as, you know, is that it can actually be found on Google. So I think that's also really important. Thank you so much for talking about that. I would like to ask you about networking. And that's something I know you've brought up a few times in Clubhouse Rooms and just kind of, um, I guess, give your (laughs) two cents about networking and working with others and building up your business and career um, and the that. (laughs) Well, I mean, here's the thing with networking. A lot of people think like networking is showing up to some kind of mixer and handing out a business card. And that is like the furthest thing from the truth. Networking in my mind is building a lasting relationship because ultimately, if you think about it this way, when somebody says to you, okay, um, I am looking for a French horn player. Are you going to just um, recommend the person that gave you their business card? Or are you going to recommend somebody who you've worked with a bunch that you have a relationship with, that they're super nice, they're fun to work with, they show up on time, they show up prepared, but the other person handed you their business card. I mean, which one are you going to actually recommend? It's going to be the person you have a relationship with and that you enjoy working with. So I think that's important to think about it in like a reverse sense of like, how can you be somebody that somebody wants to work with, hopefully, you know, and and that's treating every single gig like it's important. I know there's a ton of gigs out there that are just like horrible. Um, But you know what, I've had a lot of like bad gigs lead to good gigs. And I, I know a lot of other people who have had the same situation, you meet someone there, somebody's in the audience, whatever it might be. And it leads to something that's like an actual good gig. And especially in a place like Los Angeles, it's important to leave a lot of time for traffic because if you are late, time is money. And you can really just like put everything behind if you don't show up on time. And on time does not mean getting to the place when it's supposed to start. That means being in your chair with your instrument out and warmed up and ready to go and start playing right at like whatever time that they say two o'clock, let's say. So those are the biggest things and you're networking while you are working. So I think that's really important to think about. Um, The last thing is probably that, you know, the music world is so incredibly small that I think it's really, really, really important um, to as much as possible 
you know, stay positive, not talk bad about people. And they say, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. I mean, that's like the best thing to think about when you are working, because it can easily get back to that person and can really hurt you in the industry. Um, I literally had an instance of this uh, yesterday. I was talking to one of my friends that there was this one person um, that shall not be named, but we had both noticed that this person had done certain things. And then this person talked to somebody else and they were like, oh, they used to have this thriving career and not anymore. And I think it's because of this. And both of us noticed that same thing. So I think it is incredibly important to, you know, again, be somebody who people want to work with. That is very, very powerful. The music world is tiny. (laughs) Things will come around. It keeps getting smaller, I swear, by the day. (laughs) It's been actually incredible seeing how connected people are through like Clubhouse or just having that platform to connect with people and like meet people that I typically wouldn't have a chance to unless I was like literally out in LA. (laughs) Like I would have never met you. (laughs) I know, I know. And that's that's the beauty of social media, but also like the scary thing about social media, right? Is that... Now it's not just like who you know in your town. It's also like, oh, well, I used to live here and I had this issue with this one person and now they're on on social media as well as I am. And now it's really awkward. And what, you know, what are they saying? You know, things like that, you know? And so that's why I think it's so important. I mean, even like just with Utah, I always like to, you know, give people this example is that when I was in Youth Symphony there, there was this one girl that was in my flute section in the symphony and, you know, we got along, everything was good. I'm not saying there was nothing negative, thankfully, but then she ended up being in my studio at USC as uh, when I was in my grad school and like years had gone by and I had not seen her or heard from her since then. So imagine had I had a bad relationship with her rather than a good relationship, which I thankfully did, that would have been really awkward. And that was just such a random thing. I mean, our flute studio at the time was only like 10 people. What are the odds that two girls that were in youth symphony together in Utah and would be two of the two of the 10? That's crazy. So um, it's, it's just really important to, you know, I would say this, keep it professional. Um, it's better that if somebody for some reason is bothering you in whatever sense, just try to stay professional about the situation and then don't worry about confronting them or anything like that, because that's going to do you way more harm in the future than just keeping your mouth shut. Keep it strictly professional and just get through the situation. If there is a situation, just (laughs) asking that you do like, okay, this should probably be addressed. How would be a good way to go about that? I mean, it, it depends on what it is, right? Like, are we talking just like this person annoys me? They're giving me backhanded compliments or um, I hear that they're talking about me to other people, you know, those kinds of things. I would just let it go to be completely honest with you. Um now, if it's if we're talking like somebody is doing something completely damaging to you, whether it's in a professional sense, or, you know, it's some type of harassment in any way, then now that is the time to address it. And 
you know, it's kind of tricky depending on the situation. Do you bring it up to the person themselves? Do you go and talk to somebody who's in charge? That, of course, depends on the situation. And those kinds of things, absolutely, you should be bringing up. But if it's just some kind of like small petty thing, I would just let it roll, (laughs) you know, just be like, "Mm, I don't, I don't know. It's fine. You know, we don't, I don't need to address this, you know, like I've had plenty of things happen, um, of people doing things, especially on social media that I just literally didn't respond, you know, and, and at worst I blocked them if it, if it was getting like really bad. The biggest thing is I would say, give yourself at least 24 hours to respond to the situation because a lot of times like if in that moment you're so heated and you feel very passionate about whatever it might be and so you might act in a way that given 24 hours then you might be like oh I should probably not have done that you know so I think it's good to let yourself kind of diffuse for 24 hours so that you really have time to think about the situation and you're not in the heat of the moment and you know, if it, if it's still a thing and you're like, you know, actually this is, this is not okay. Then address it, of course, but um, give yourself that 24 hours to really think about it because in the moment, a lot of times it seems like a bigger problem than it actually is. Thank you for that advice. I definitely <laughs> relate to, I mean, you know, you've had those music stand partners and orchestra and you're like, why are you sitting so close to me? you know or something and you're like is this is this a battle man I I hear you I I for a long time did not have any friends that played my same instruments for that reason thankfully I I will say thankfully now I don't know if it's just a time thing or a maturity thing or what but I feel like now finally um I'm just thankful that everybody I work with, I actually like that's, that's never happened before until like maybe these past, I don't know, since I graduated high or college, I I hadn't experienced that at all. And I, there was always some petty drama, especially, I mean, you know, you get it too, because of the instrument you play, but like flute, it's pretty bad. So um, thankfully, at least the people I'm working with, I, I do like, I feel like the flute world oh. might be a little more. Flute world can be kind of crazy. Just yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I swear, it's just it's musicians. Like, you know, certain instruments. There's like certain. There, there's that, but I think there are certain characteristics that are common amongst you know people who play X instrument, and flute players definitely have that um, ability. To... <laughs> yeah, it's not very fun. So. Um, but I'm again. I'm just thankful now that all the all the flutists that I work with, I really respect, and they're just very nice people. Um, I feel like I really lucked out because I know that's not the case in a lot of other places. Yeah, that's a huge blessing um, for sure to be surrounded yes, <laughs> by such a supportive and encouraging and like hardworking group of musicians to be around. Um, Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would love to, um, like, I have some quick closing questions. <laughs> what is your favorite form of music? Like classical or genres, anything, anything goes. Oh, I don't know. I, I man, I, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. The one I don't like probably, well, two things. 
I don't like country music. It's kind of like me and my uh, my fiance and I like have this thing that he loves country and I like despise country. If it's more poppy, then I'm fine. But like, man, like I don't know. Uh, there's something about country music I really don't like, and um, like that screamo, like hard. I don't know, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I can't, those two things I don't like. Um, but, but I'm not, I'm not one of those musicians that only listens to classical music. I would say I probably listen to classical, I listen to other genres more than I listen to classical music. Um, just because, you know, like I did so much of that growing up, I think. Um, and now, especially working in film and TV, as well as working with a lot of pop artists and things like that I just like to stay a little bit more current and get inspired by that as well rather than just listening to another Beethoven sonata or you know whatever it might be not that there's anything wrong I love Beethoven so much but um I think it's just important to expand your repertoire beyond just like one genre I love that you answered like well this is what I don't like (laughs) I know I don't know if I could tell you what I do like because I just listen to so many different things and like I go through phases so yeah (laughs) that's I think that's a valid answer (laughs) knowing exactly what you're like I don't go out of my way to listen to this but (laughs) what is I guess your favorite oh maybe this is a bad question to ask (laughs) your favorite composer (laughs) (laughs) oh no that's fine oh okay so my favorite composer well I actually um have a couple uh classically I would say I'm such a flute player I love Debussy can you can you believe that um I really like Dvorak I like Shostakovich a lot I love 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 Shostakovich um a more contemporary, like somebody who's actually still living is Lieberman. Um, he writes a lot for flute and piccolo and um, one of his sonatas for flute is just incredible. I put that on my, um, my last album and it's just, it's, I would, it, it has similarities, I would say to Shostakovich in some ways. And I, it just has kind of like a darker, um, I don't know, just, it, it just is a little bit darker and I really, really, really like it. And it's, um, it's just hauntingly beautiful. Um, the, yeah, I just, I just really love his writing. So I really like him. Those are, those are probably the, the main ones for me. Any organizational software tips? Hmm. The biggest thing is, um, having multiple, uh, external oh, yeah. hard drives um, and keeping those organized so you can actually find things. I have stuff so, so organized on that. And especially like, thankfully I've done that because, you know, I, I literally have every single remote session I've ever done. I have a drive just of those. Um, all of my arrangements, you know, I have all those original recording sessions. So if I want to ever go back in there and like, tweak anything or change levels or anything like that I can do that I have all the all the videos that I've done and the editing in those and it's just really important because you know you start out and you're like oh it'll be fine I'll be able to find things 
And then a couple years go by and you have so much stuff that you've created that you're like, oh my gosh, where is that? I have no idea where that is. So you have to find a system that works for you. But I do think it's it's really important to have those things. So essentially, I have two main drives. I have a active drive that is all the stuff I'm currently kind of like working on. And then I have a an archive. And then I have backups of both of those. And that is incredibly important. And then I also have of the computer, I have a a cloud backup. And then I also have a physical backup of that as well. So it's, I just have a lot of different things. And I think that's really important because my main computer cracked out on me like a couple, like maybe a month ago or something like that and lost everything that was on it. And thankfully, almost every single thing was backed up. And so I didn't have to worry about like, oh my gosh, I just lost everything, you know? So I I think that's one of the biggest things in terms of organization is just making sure you have some kind of system that you understand and making sure to have a lot of backups of that. I definitely need to do that. (laughs) I have a Dropbox now. (laughs) I would highly recommend it. It takes, it's, it's so monotonous and it's so annoying to do it. Um, but I'm just thankful that I have done it because otherwise I wouldn't be able to find anything at this point. I am giving some serious <laughs> spring cleaning on all my digital devices. I I would recommend it. I mean, that's what I did kind of like I did a, I feel like every year or every two years you have to kind of like re, you know, re- go through everything and make sure everything's where it needs to be. And um, so I did that like the beginning of quarantine last year. I was like, okay, now's a great time. Let's do it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm definitely, oh gosh, <laughs> it will be a big project. I will schedule it out. <laughs> um, do you have any actionable tips for the listeners? Honestly, the, the thing that I would tell people to do is within 24 hours of listening to this take that first step into whatever it is that they are wanting to do. Because the thing is, it's so easy to put things off. And then, you know, a couple days becomes a couple weeks, becomes months, becomes years. And then it just never happens. And so that's what I'm, I want everybody to like, think of something right now that they've been wanting to do, figure out what that first step is. Let's say, you want to make a website? Well, I want you to go and get a domain name and find a hosting platform and start with that. Because if you don't do those things, you're never going to have a website, you know, just find whatever those things are. And it doesn't have to be a major step, but just do something to start towards whatever goal it is that you have. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And where can people find you? Yeah, my website is just my name, GinaLuciani.com. I am on Instagram and Facebook and Clubhouse and YouTube. And I'm starting to be on TikTok too and stuff. So just all the things. But if you go to my website, you can, it it links to all those things. So you can definitely find it there. Um, But yeah, it's, Uh, one thing that I've been doing lately that has been kind of fun is I have like this new series, like since obviously short form videos are very popular right now between TikTok and reels and shorts on YouTube and all those things. Um, I started a series called what they don't teach you in music school. 
And so they're just like these small little tips. Um, so, you know, if, if people are wanting to hear more tips from me, that would be a great way to find out more. Yeah. And those tips are really helpful. So definitely check them out. I've enjoyed seeing them and they've been really, I'm like, oh, oh my good. goodness. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, Didn't learn that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being here today on the show. Well, thank you. Really great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Before the Stage podcast. I hope that you enjoyed the show today. Don't miss an episode and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you have any questions or topics for Before the Stage, feel free to write me at beforethestage at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on the show. Hey there, do you run a podcast? Well, here is a podcast secret you might like. The Podcast Editors. This team of editors help before this stage create this quality content for you. It's a vital part of the podcast team that keeps the show going. If you need help with editing or want one last thing to do with managing a podcast, contact the podcast editors today. Check out their services at thepodcasteditors.net. Also, it will be linked down in the show notes. Thanks for listening.